Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome back to Daily Duff Differently. I'm David Wise, Rabbi of the Hollis Hills Jewish Center in Queens, and it's my pleasure to navigate you through Eruvin Pei Vav, page 86 of Tractate Eruvin. If you've spent this much time in Masechet Eruvin, or any time in it at all, you already know that the material can be challenging. Some pages have as much theological inspiration as the pages of a geometry textbook, only with the same number of diagrams. But today promises to be different. No, this duff doesn't dodge the details entirely, but we'll find a wealth of issues that go beyond the intricacies of ancient urban planning that we're used to seeing in Erevin. We begin at the bottom of Pei Hei Amudbet, 85b, with a citation from the most recent Mishnah, which stated that if someone rents space in a building that doesn't usually serve as a residence, such as a storage unit or a cattle pen, and the resident who's staying there doesn't chip into the communal Eruv, his presence invalidates the Eruv and restricts all carrying in the Chatzer on Shabbat. Rabbi Huda, however, said that if there's some evidence of the owner's holdings, tfisat yad, in the structure, the presence of a tenant who doesn't participate in the Eruv doesn't compromise the communal Eruv efforts. So what, asks the Gemara, is tfisat yad? The answer is, kegon chatzero shel bonyas. Bonyas was so wealthy that his vast array of possessions was stored in a variety of his properties, even in those with tenant residents. The presence of his stuff left no doubt as to the identity of the owner. Having mentioned Bonyas, we get a story about his son that tells us something about rabbinic attitudes toward wealth and wealthy people. Bonyas's son came to Rabbi, Rabbi Udanasi, the editor-in-chief of the Mishnah, and Rabbi announced his arrival by saying, Panu makom leven maneh. Let's make room for this millionaire, we'll call him. Then another rich guy arrived, and Rabbi said, Make room for this double millionaire, implying that the second visitor deserved double the honor of Ben Bonyas. So one of Rabbi's disciples, Rabbi Ishmael Rabbi Yosef, was stunned that Bonias' son would be entitled to less honor than anyone, and reminded Rabbi of Bonias's great shipbuilding and real estate holdings, Bonias Steinbrenner, perhaps. Rabbi replied as follows, etzel aviv emorlo al bekelim halalu when you see his father, say to him, Don't let him near me in these clothes again. In other words, Rabbi believed that wealth brought great dignity, and so wealthy people ought to dignify the part by the way they dress. 
It was part of his general approach to wealth, for as the Gemara continues, Rabbi Mechabed Ashirim, Rabbi Akiva Mechabed Ashirim. These two great legendary sages treated wealth and the people who had it with great respect. Why? The Gemara brings a Midrash by Rava Bar Meri on Psalm 61, verse 8. Yeshev olam lifnei Elohim chesed ve'emet man yinsaruhu. The Jewish Publication Society translates this verse as, May he, the king, dwell in God's presence forever, appoint steadfast love to guard him. But this last phrase, chesed ve'emet man yinsaruhu, carries with it in translation a footnote, meaning of Hebrew, uncertain. Well, the Midrashic reading of the verse is, when does a person sit in God's presence? When one provides man, food, sustenance, and chesed, kindness, to those in need. The more one has, the more capacity one has to help. The bottom line in philanthropy is not the will to give, it's the means to give. So both Rabbi and Rabbi Akiva knew that wealthy people needed to be honored if they were to be prevailed upon to reach into their pockets to perform meaningful acts of chesed. The Jewish community has always adopted this approach, hasn't it? As one Jewish organizational leader once told me, we seek lay leaders who have wisdom, work ethic, and wealth, and we welcome anyone who meets any two of these criteria as long as one of them is wealth. So Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi would agree with the words from Cabaret. Money makes the world go round. Do you agree? The next Mishnah records different opinions about whether a resident who goes away for Shabbat and doesn't participate in the communal Eruv restricts those residents who do stick around. There's just a short Gemara discussion about this Mishnah, but a few interesting variables are raised. Rabbi Yose says that if a non-Jewish resident leaves, we are concerned that he will return during Shabbat, creating a problem since he hasn't gone in on the Eruv and now he's physically present during Shabbat. However, once Jews go away for Shabbat, they're unlikely to return, so we just consider their residence as vacant. Rabbi Shimon concludes the Mishnah by saying that even if a Jew went to make Shabbos with his daughter in the very same town, we don't expect him to return during Shabbat, and we treat his place as a vacancy as well. But then the Gemara dabbles in the psychology of family dynamics. Affirming Rabbi Shimon's position, it notes that the Mishnah specifically said the resident went to visit a daughter not a son. For, as people commonly say, Nevach bach kalba ule, Nevach bach gorieta poke. When a male dog barks, enter. When a female dog barks, exit. Oh boy, what's this about? The premise is that people get along better with their sons-in-law than with their daughters-in-law, and that if they go to visit their son, some tension will arise between the man's parents and his wife, and they won't make it to the end of Shabbat there, and the parents will leave to return home during Shabbat, and then they didn't make an Eruv, and the whole Chatzar will suffer the consequences. 
And given the possibility that my wife might listen to this podcast, I'll err on the side of cautious silence and let you draw your own conclusions about the Gemara's read on family systems. There's one more Mishnah on this daf, and it deals with a pit that is between two chatzerot, and what needs to be done in order to draw water from it on Shabbat. We referenced this Mishnah two pages ago, but it also opens up the question of the validity of a hanging or suspended mechitza. In the midst of the debate on this, a story is told that once in Tsipori in the Galilee, they forgot to bring a Sefer Torah, a Torah scroll, to the synagogue before Shabbat, and didn't realize it until after Shabbat began. So, according to initial testimonial memory, they said that the community spread curtains over pillars to create mechitzot and brought a Torah scroll from someone's home. The Gemara immediately responds with incredulity, because we learn elsewhere that creating an ohel, a covered residence, from scratch on Shabbat is expressly prohibited. Don't worry, says the Gemara. They didn't spread the curtains over the pillars. They just noticed that those curtains were already spread in an advantageous way, and so they relied on the layout to treat it as a pre-existing ohel condition, and then brought the Torah to the synagogue. Let's just conclude with the observation that we can see this Gemara teaching us two competing perspectives about the seriousness of Eruvin and carrying on Shabbat. On the one hand, you can say that the community took the carrying prohibition so seriously that they were willing to forego reading Torah on Shabbat because they didn't make the necessary prior arrangements. Or... You could say that Shabbat Torah reading was so important that they made a questionable ruling about an ohel to find a way to get a Torah into the public sphere. Which perspective do you think is the Gemara's message? That brings us to the end of Eruvin Pevav, 86. Onwards tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.